Well, well, God's family, happy Sabbath. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I'm ready now. I'm ready. That happy Sabbath just put me at the right spot. So, Pastor Sam uh, opened a new sermon series for us. And I want to appreciate you, man of God, for lighting a fire in our bones. You guys were telling me, oh, Pastor really talked to us. And I'm glad. You know, because that's what the word is supposed to do. It's supposed to get in your system. It's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. It's supposed to make you feel like you want to be better, do better, and live better. Amen, somebody? Amen. The sacrifice code. What, what are we trying to talk about in this particular concept? All of us sacrifice. All of us sacrifice something. Some of us sacrifice someone. But over sacrifice. And the question is, why do you sacrifice? Why are you busting in your behind to make payments for your daughter or your son in school? Why are you working so hard to be liked? What is motivating you? So what we're trying to do, watch this. We're trying to pick under the hood of your sacrifice to check if the engine of your sacrifice is working properly. So we, we, we're going to get into you. We, we're going to really dig into you a little bit because sacrifice seems to be at the heart of all we are trying to do. If you have your Bibles, kindly turn with me to Matthew chapter number 5 and please join me in standing. Today the text is not on the screen, so you're going to really need to use your Bibles Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 21, and we're going to read until verse 26. If you have your Bibles, kindly stand with me as we read the word of Scripture this morning. And when you got it, say, Pastor, I'm there. Come on now, Pastor, I'm there. I'm still getting there, Pastor, if you're not there. <laughs> Please stand with me as I read the text of Scripture today. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 21. Please stand with me this morning. <clears throat> can I read? Church, can I read? All right, all right. Let's do it. You have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. So Jesus right here is talking about a common interpretation that the people in his day believe in. But now notice, Dr. Mike, the, the way Jesus says it with his chest in verse number 22. But I say, you have heard, but I say <laughs> that everyone who is angry with his brother not, will be liable to judgment. Sister Laura, you understand liability. Whoever insults his brother will be liable in the council. Whoever says, you fool, <laughs> will be liable to hellfire. When you come across words like this in the scripture, you, you really got to pay attention because these are serious words from the mouth of the Lord. Notice verse number 23. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go first, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. 
Sacrifice code, yo. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, says Jesus, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Leave it at the altar. Let us pray. Father God, thank you. Talk to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> June 13th marked the end of a torturous and long season of pain for the governor of West Java. On that day, Governor Ridwan Kamil laid his son to rest. This story gripped many of you. And the story is sad because Ariel is so young. He had life to live. He had dreams to accomplish. But his life was cut short. Isn't it so sad? When we see life taken that should have been living, we are touched. When we see little kids in school in Ovalde, Texas, being sprayed by bullets, it is shocking and strange. When we see the innocent among us suffering and losing their lives because somebody who is deranged, somebody who is demanding, somebody who is despotic wants to take their life. Uh, Pastor Sam, there is something that happens in our system. We don't like it. We get upset. We get angry. How come, Brother Nick, this life was taken, but yet it needed to live? I've set all of that up to set you up. What if I told you that many of us take life just like that? What if I told you that the grudge you're holding is taking a life just like that. Come on now. Talk back to me if you can. What if I told you that the silent treatment you're giving your loved one for a whole day, for two days, for a whole week is taking a life? What if I told you that the fact that you are not willing to appreciate, that you are not willing to encourage is taking a life? What if I told you that the unwillingness to forgive, the unwillingness to let it go, the unwillingness to talk, the unwillingness to have that conversation is taking a life? Oh, yeah, brothers and sisters, there are many murderers on the loose, and I'm one of them. Perhaps you're not feeling me yet, so allow me to use the words of Jesus so that maybe you will get what I'm trying to say, you have heard, you have heard, says Jesus, 
that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Uh, the Pharisees taught, Pastor Sam, that murder was limited to the physical act. In other words, you murdered somebody when you stopped their heartbeat. But Jesus says, hold up, let us remix that and understand that murder is mental before it is physical. You're not following me yet, so I'm going to try to work with you a little bit this morning. Jesus says, murder is a thing of the mind. Uh, you, 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 you may not appreciate mental murder, so you can even call it psychological murder. I don't care. You can call it attitudinal murder. Whatever you like, but Jesus says the seedbed of murder is in the mind. It is mental before it is physical. In fact, when you look at the original context of what Jesus is talking about in Exodus chapter 20, Brother Johan I like picking on Brother Johan because he, he really likes to get into the scriptures. Amen, somebody. When you look at the original context of what Jesus says, the word translated murder from the Hebrew language simply means an act that you premeditate, an act that you think about, an act that you plan for. So that the Pharisees were teaching half of the truth. So, so what Jesus does is say, wait, wait a minute, let's go back to the original intention of God. And I just want to drop this on somebody. Anything we are reading in the New Testament is already in the Old Testament. The God of the Old Testament is, is, is simply the same God we see in the New Testament. Some of y'all say the Old Testament is strange. Some of y'all say, I don't like the Old Testament. I'm here to let you know that the Old Testament is the new before it is the new. So I love what Jesus is talking about right here. He says, murder is happening in your mind. You guys are looking good this morning, amen? <laughs> I like your dress. You look real good. <laughs> but I'm not interested in how you look. Today, I'm interested in what is happening in your neurons. Today, I'm interested in your cognitive processes. In other words, I'm here to look under the hood of your mind. And Jesus says, watch this, that mental murder is really a thing that is based upon anger. Now, from granny to babies, anger is real. I remember one day, true story, uh, my sister le leaves me with my niece to watch over her. And my sister said, Henry, you just got to watch her, Sister Susan, for two, two hours. I'll be back. You don't have to worry about changing diapers. She's already been fed. But my sister's two hours turned prophetic, and it became four hours. <laughs> so now <laughs> I'm a little bit worried because the baby around me... I can smell the diaper. I've never changed a diaper a day in my life. So I really do not know what to do. But God is preparing me in advance. Hallelujah, somebody. 
So I didn't know what to do. And the other thing happened is that the little baby became angry. And I've never seen my niece scream at me. She cried with rage in her eyes. She's like, are you going to give me my milk? Are you going to change my diapers? And some of you parents know what I'm talking about. When that little baby that you say, oh, goo goo and gaga, when they get upset, you're like, man, where did you come from? Hell or heaven? Kids get angry. Grannies get hungry, angry. I hope you're not hungry yet. Perhaps you came this morning angry. Perhaps you're angry at the traffic. Perhaps you're angry because you are late for church. Come early. Perhaps you are, you're angry because you didn't get the promotion. Perhaps you're angry because God hasn't answered your prayers the way you wished. Anger ain't bad. Because anger says, everyone, I care. I care. I care about the life of my family. I care about my health. I care about protecting others' rights. So anger is good. Amen, somebody? Anger is not a bad thing. But Jesus is not talking about good anger because he, he uses a term that really flabbergasted me. Jesus uses a term, and allow me to say it, orgizomenos. Uh, you're like, Pastor, what's that? That sounds strange. So let me make it more familiar to you. We get our word orgy from this. You know about Prince Andrew and Jeff Epstein, don't you? They got in hot water because they attended orgies. They took advantage of minors. And, and, and the reality of the situation is this. Uh, an orgy or uh, this kind of situation is that a person is not willing to control themselves. So they are willing to do whatever it takes even if they hurt people in the process. So Jesus is saying... The kind of anger that is bad is a kind of anger that doesn't care about other people. It only cares about itself. And if others get hurt in the process, it doesn't matter. And for some of us, when we're angry, that's how it is. Who do you think I am? How can you talk to me like that? You better get here right now. I will kill you. I will knock you I mean, are you the same person who believes in Jesus? I mean, let's be real. Some of us, when we get upset, we, 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 we really blow a gasket. And we, we want people to know that we're upset. And Jesus is saying, that kind of anger is bad. But that's not, that's not all what Jesus said. Watch this now. Because when Jesus uses this term in our English Bibles, it, it looks like a, like a verb. Not, not a verb, like, like an adjective. But in, in, in Greek, it's a participle. Follow with me. I'm teaching you yet. I'm not preaching yet, guys. I'm going to preach. I'm teaching right now. It's a participle. What is a participle? What is a participle? It's a word that shows an ongoing action. And Jesus doesn't use a past participle. Jesus or anyone uses a present participle. So Jesus is saying like this, 
Your anger is uncontrollable and it's still going on. You're not willing to let it go. So what Jesus is saying is that you're so angry that you're not willing to forgive. And I don't know who this is for, but perhaps you are at that place. In other words, it's been so long, but you haven't let it go yet. It's been so long and you're so angry at your mom or your dad. It's been so long. You're so angry at the kid you used to play with on the playground. It's been so long that you're so angry at the, the, the boss who fired you from five years ago. You say, man, do you know what they did to me? You're not willing to let it go. And that's what Jesus is saying. That kind of anger is bad. You got to let it go. Because when you're not letting go, <laughs> you are a mental murderer. It's okay to get angry. I get upset. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen me upset, some of y'all. <laughs> I'm not the kind of person who speaks out when I'm angry. I'm the kind of person who shuts up. I let it foam in me. Anybody like that? Like, like that? You don't talk. My sister right here. You don't talk. But the problem with a person like me is that when I go to sleep, it still beats me up. When I wake up, it still beats me up. When I'm even preparing sermons, it still beats me up. When I'm still running, I still beat me up. Like, what, 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 what is happening to me? God, is, God was talking to me this week. Henry, not Pastor Henry, because God don't call me pastor. God says, Henry... Let it go, man. Some of y'all, it's, we know that an earthquake has come. In fact, we know that there's a tsunami in the place. You throw things, you hit people, you knock people out, you tell them whatever it is. And Jesus is saying, what you're doing right here, right there, is committing murder. And brother and sister, allow me to put it like this. God has called us. To love one another. God has called us to be people that shows the world what it means to care for people. God has called us to be people that are different from the world. But yet in God's church. In God's families. In God's schools. Too many murderers on the loose. Too many mental murderers on the loose. Angry at the world. Angry for this. Angry for that. And what is sad is that mental murder often is, is inflicted on people who we call brothers. Notice what Jesus says. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable uh, for judgment. And what Jesus is trying to say and what I got from this is, is that he's understanding an important concept which I want to drop to you like this. You see, a Christian home, a Christian marriage, a, a Christian church, a, a Christian anything should be the most loving place in the world. But unfortunately, in a lot of these Christian circles, Elder A, we got too many mental murderers on the loose. The other day I was texting with their dear sister. Uh, she just ratted herself out. I was trying to keep it under wraps. <clears throat> so I texted, hi, my sister. And she says, please, pastor, I am 
so-and-so, LOL. And then I, I said, oh, I know, <laughs> LOL. We are part of the family of God. Ha, 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 ha. Amen. <laughs> you see, we were just having a light moment. But this really reflects the situation I'm trying to get to you. Because many of us don't see each other as brothers and sisters. We don't see each other as relatives. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is we are relatives. We are brothers and sisters in the family of God. The day you became a Christian, you had a new birth certificate and a new name. And what God is trying to say, even if you're not getting along, even if you don't like what they do, even if you feel like leaving, they are your brother, they are your sister. Don't kill them. Oh yeah, husband and wife. You are brother and sister first before husband and wife. Did you know that? Uh, Pastor, you, you and I, we, we, we are pastors, yes, but we are brothers first. You see, God had to convict me. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a, a little story. When I first started ministry, I met this man in, in, in the Philippines in 2009. And you know, I, I was very holy. I'm still holy, but I was very holy. <laughs> I was very holy. We started a ministry called Acts. We called it Active Christians Together in Service. What we would do is we would, uh, we would go out, leave early from campus. We'll spend our own money, buy our own gas, bring our own food. Pastor will preach the sermon. Sometimes I'll preach. One of our other pastors, Pastor Benjamin, you, you, you probably know him. He would also do the lesson study. And then in the afternoon, one of us would do a church program. And after doing a church program, I told you I was very holy. But after the Sabbath is over, I, I, I'm starting to feel like Pastor Sam and Pastor Benjamin are not as holy as me. <laughs> because after the service of the day, <laughs> we start to cut up and, and make jokes. You don't know Pastor Sam. He, he, he likes, I'm not, I'm not going to let it be known, but he, 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 he likes to make jokes. And so I'm in this environment. I'm a new uh, pastor to be, and, and I'm studying theology, and it should be about prayer. You know what I'm saying? It should be about fasting. But Saturday night, we are playing games, Uno and, and Monopoly. And I'm saying, where has a holiness come from? 2017, I am in the village visiting my auntie. I get a call. From Indonesia. And who's calling me? Pastor Sampson. He's saying, hey, bro. Hey, bro. Would you like to come to Indo for a moment? We want to check you out. And I came to Indo. This is what I learned. In that season where I was trying to be so holy. It wasn't my holiness that connected me and him. It was the social nights. It was the fact that we could be free with one another. We could joke on each other. Are you understand what I'm saying? And what that taught me is that ultimately, I'm going to enjoy faith. Ultimately, Christianity is going to be good when I start to treat those who I call fellow Christians as brothers and sisters. And that is, I can fellowship. I can interact with them. I can have a meal with them. I can joke with them. But a lot of times, many of us, we are too holy. Holy. 
Too holy. So we don't come to certain programs in the church because we're too holy. I told you I'm going to get under the hood of your mind. We have a prayer meeting. You don't come. Too holy. Because if you know that's your brother, that is your sister, you'll be there. But a lot of times, because we see them, either they're a different class than us, either they talk different than us, either they walk different than us, they don't talk the same language, they don't go, so we are not relatable. But the question is, your family name, Christian, relates you. And God is saying, we got to stop the mental murder because we are related. Notice how Paul puts it. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Let me put it like this. You are not my problem and I'm not your problem. We may not agree. You may not like what I say. You may not like how I walk, but I'm not your problem. Because the Bible is saying we're not wrestling against each other. We're wrestling against the devil and, and Satan and all those principalities and powers. Instead of us getting down on our knees when it is hard, we become devilish and satanic. When your brother and your sister has, has fallen or your brother and your sister is not doing what you like or you're disagreeing, it's not time to say, wow, they, 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 they're mean or they, they're like this. It's time for you to get on your knees and simply say, Lord, my brother, my sister is not in track with you. My brother and my sister is not walking with you. Lord, do something for them. Help them. Heal them. Deliver them. Not talk about them. Not say I'm not going to go to church no more. Not say that we'll never see eye to eye because that's your brother. And the sad thing is that oftentimes mental murder leads to mouth murder. Notice what Jesus says for whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says you fool will be liable to hellfire. Because when you already hate somebody in the mind, <laughs> It's not hard to hate them with your words. I'm going to teach you curse words right now. Hmm? Not the ones you use. But right here, Jesus uses curse words in his day. The two words that Jesus says is raka and moros. Moros is where we get our word for moron. In Jesus' day... <laughs> It was a curse word to call somebody a moron. In other words, when you said somebody was stupid, you were cursing them. And isn't it, isn't it so interesting that when we are upset, our vocabulary, we develop verbal diarrhea. We don't care about what we say. This is how I feel. This is how I see it. So take it and take it and take it. But you're saying, you are killing somebody. You're knocking them out. I read a quotation by Benjamin Franklin. He says that some people die at the age of 25, but they're buried at 75. Let me say that one more time. Some people are killed at the age of 25, and they're only buried at the age of 75. What he meant was, some people can die so young and still be living. 
Some people can die so young and still be coming to church and preaching and, and doing all the kind of things. Some people can die so young and still be running. Some people can die so young and still be a vegetarian. Why? Because their motivation is gone. Their morale is gone. Their dignity is gone. And a lot of times people die because of what they hear. People die because of the attitude we show them. And that's why men to murder. And Jesus is saying, hold up. Be careful what you're telling somebody. Be careful what you're saying to them because you might just kill a life that is still breathing. You might just kill somebody while they're still young. And I know that some people around here are dead already. You're just going through the motions. You say I love you to the one you love, but it's just because it's routine, but you don't really mean it because you are already dead you pray yes but there is no life in you because you are already dead relationships marriages and and friendships and is dead because the, 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 the thing that motivates people is no longer there because of what they have heard what they've been told how they've been spoken to and isn't it time brother and sister that you and I make it make it a point to say you know what the mental murder is going to stop amen somebody I'm going to stop killing people by my mind and my words. I'm going to start to give people life. Sometimes a happy Sabbath gives me life. <laughs> Pastor, happy Sabbath. Oh, I, I jump up. <laughs> Pastor, thank you for praying for me. I jump up. Sometimes it's just a single word, a simple word, and you give somebody life. But we hold our words because somehow, Pastor Sam, we need to feel it before we express it. But no, no, no. Love should be expressed no matter how I feel, no matter how I see it. But God says love one another because love is a command. Love is beyond how you feel. There are days I don't want to get up. There are days I don't want to pray. <laughs> There are days when I come here tired, but God says, love people. So how do I love? I continue to serve. How do I love? I continue to pray. And, and parents, you know what I'm talking about. Some days you're tired. Some days you don't want to go, but you're thinking about the little one who is helpless without your help. And I praise God for you that you continue to push on because you understand the value of life. Oh, yeah. The mental murder has got to stop. It has got to stop. And you see, Jesus doubled down on this thing. He really doubled down. He says, whoever says to his brother or whoever is angry will be liable for judgment. Whoever insults, liable for the counsel. Whoever says you fool will be liable for hellfire. Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus used pl three places that were very familiar, Brother Bams, to the people in his day. So when he says judgment, he's talking about court, mm. where decisions are made. But this was the lower court. <laughs> the lawyer is laughing this morning. Then when he says to the council, he's talking about the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was made up of 70 elderly Jewish men, a lot of them priests, a lot of them aristocrats, and they would come and settle matters. 
But then he uses a third place. In the text it says hellfire, but in reality in Greek it says Gehenna. Gehenna was, says Lydia, located on the outskirts on the west side of Jerusalem where they would go and throw trash. So Jesus is speaking to his audience saying, look, if you are committing mental murder, <laughs> you are going to go to court and you're going to burn for it. But here is something strange, Brother Sutarsa. This is why it's strange, because you cannot, you cannot litigate somebody for being angry. Are you see what I'm saying? Jesus is saying, you cannot take somebody to court for being angry. Any human court cannot, cannot litigate somebody or prosecute somebody for being angry. I am, they got angry at me, so put them in prison. The judge will be like, for what? You understand what I'm saying? The point of Jesus is saying is like this. Human beings <laughs> may not litigate you for committing mental murder, but I can. Human beings cannot see what is happening in your mind, but I can. <laughs> Human beings may not grasp the, 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 the closet of your mind, but I can. Because God is trying to say like this. I am able to touch what people can't touch. I'm able to reach what people cannot reach. I'm able to see what people cannot see. So brother and sister, let me put it like this. Uh, though I may not know how you think, but your God is reading your mind. Your God is reading your resentment. Your God is reading your unforgiveness. Your God is reading your anger. And the question is, are you going to hold on to it or say, Lord, here it is. I offer it up to you, Lord. I give it up because you can see it. And boy, oh boy, I'm glad that God can see what I can't see. God can touch what I can't touch. God can go where I can't go because it lets me know nobody can get away with it. And I know there's somebody here who feels like they've gotten away with it. You feel like you lost the case. You feel like you've been treated unfairly. You feel like what they did to you wasn't right. But I came to let you know that God sees it. <laughs> I came to let you know that God will deal with it. I came to let you know that God is in charge of what's happening in your life. And brother and sister, take courage today that though you don't like what has happened to you, though you don't like how you feel about it, but God has made a plan. God knows when to deal with the situation. You can walk with your head held high. You can walk with your chest out because you know that your God has your back. Amen, somebody. Amen. Don't be sad that you didn't get your just due. God is going to deal with that situation. He's going to take care of it. So never, no, no, never cry when you don't get what you think you should deserve. Keep moving. Oh, pastor, it wasn't. Keep moving. Let it go. <laughs> because you know that God has a court case, <laughs> has a court date for whatever has happened to you. So we are talking about the sacrifice court after all. And I want to do justice to, to our concept so Jesus says, let go the mental murder. 
And then what Jesus does is he brings out a practical application. A what? A practical application. Because truth only means something when you can live it out. So Jesus says, uh, so if you are offering your gift. You know, one of the things I love about Indonesians is that you know how to do hampers, man. Mm. And sometimes when it is holiday season, man, I, I just wait. Pastor, I send this. But I'm like, Lord, praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> so here he says, so if you are offering your gift <laughs> at the altar, Sister Gagesca, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go and make it right. You see, Jesus had a way of saying things that just kind of blew your mind away. Because what Jesus is saying is that mental murder hinders sacrifice. Pastor Sam? <laughs> that is, if you are angry at somebody and you're trying to offer something to God, God is saying, Tirabisa. Gabole. Not this one. God, I, I saved up my life savings. I want to give it to you. God says no. God, I want to travel to, to Africa and, and live there as a missionary because I want to sacrifice my life for you. God says no. Because there is mental murder. <laughs> That we haven't dealt with. So your sacrifice means nothing to me. Jesus makes it very, very strange. Because when he's talking, watch this. He's Elder Ray in Galilee. And so he's saying to people in Galilee who are living in North Israel. He says, when you are at the altar talking about Jerusalem. And you remember that you have something against somebody. You better leave Jerusalem and go to Galilee and make it right. <laughs> let, me make it, let me make it plain. Uh, perhaps it could be my particular case. I'm here preaching and I, all of a sudden I remember, oh my goodness. I have something against Brother Nick. What Jesus is saying is I need to drop the mic. Take up my mic and preach again because I cannot continue preaching if I remember I got something against him. Brother and sister, you and I should not prioritize spirituality over relationship. And many of us are sacrificing relationships because we want to be spiritual. God is saying, no, your spirituality is predicated on your relationship. I'm concerned about your mom. I'm concerned about your dad. I'm concerned about your brother in the faith. I'm concerned about how you treat the person who, who works for you. I'm concerned about that. And if you're not dealing with that person properly, we got no business. Let me put it like this. Your sacrifice means nothing to God if you can't get along with people. It's only when you get along with people... That your sacrifice means something to God. That amen was weak and limp and paralyzed. <laughs> so I'm going to read it one more time. Your sacrifice means nothing to God. 
If you can't get along with people, it's only when you get along with people that your sacrifice means something to God. Your tithe means nothing. Preaching means nothing, Pastor Sam. Fasting and praying means nothing. Recording videos, Frankie, means nothing. Iran being an elder in the church means nothing. TD serving means nothing. If you cannot get along with people. Sacrifice code. God is saying don't sacrifice people because you want to serve me. Because how you love people shows how much you love me. And God doesn't want it. He doesn't want it. If it is coming because somebody's become a casualty. He doesn't want it. He doesn't want it. I'm, I'm wrapping this up. The musicians going to get on, on, on the stage. I think I've gone a little long. We may not like what people do. We may not be cool with their attitudes. But we have no right to sacrifice a relationship because we're trying to be holy. Got no right. Because we love God by how we love people. Every June 1st is Panchasila Day. Am I correct? And Panchasila Day, pa Panchasila, <laughs> celebrates the five core values of Indonesia. Have you thought what God's Panchasila is? Love me with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. When we can't get along with people, <laughs> we are violating God's Panchasila. We have broken the whole Christian concept. In fact, at that particular moment, we are worse than an unbeliever. Some of you, God is not hearing your prayers because you're not getting along with people. Avoidant. Some came to church this morning because you didn't want to go to your local church. Because <laughs> there's problems there. <laughs> Some of you came in different cars. Because you argued over which rice to eat. I'm going to church. I'm going to praise God. Leave it at the altar. Make it right. God told me, Henry, I told you he doesn't call me pastor. Henry, leave it at the altar. Love your people. Care for them. Do for them. Because love is not how I feel. <laughs> love is how I behave. Today somebody needs to leave it at the altar. Leave it at the altar. The mental murder, the anger, the resentment. Anybody? I want to leave it at the altar. One last thing. You see, you might brush off this message and say, 
Pastor, let's talk about prophecy and important things. But let me tell you like this. Jesus left heaven, became a baby in Bethlehem, lived in obscurity. He was killed on the cross because he wanted to make it right with you and I. So if God could leave his place, what was important because he valued you? What makes you think making it right is not important? The gospel is about making it right. And when you and I decide to leave it on the altar, we say, Lord, I want to leave the gospel. I believe in your power. I believe you have died for my sins. And please, brother and sister, we need to start living the gospel again. So let's leave it at the altar. I want to tell somebody today, Jesus has left your sins at the altar. You are forgiven. <laughs> uh, you are guiltless. And today if you say, Pastor, I want to make it right with God, it can begin today. Amen, somebody. Perhaps you are too shy to stand up, too shy to raise your hand. See me at the end of the service and we'll do something about it. But brother and sister, let's leave it at the altar. Every head is bowed, every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Father God, thank you. Because we want to leave it at the altar. We want to sacrifice our egos, our pride, our resentment. Lord, we want to let it go. Please, Lord, guide us. Please, Lord, lead us. We want to make it right. Thank you for your love, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. So I believe that that word did something in your heart and it spoke to you. And I just want to encourage you that you respond to it. Do not delay. God loves you more than he loves life itself. And Jesus died to prove it. And we as a ministry at Facts Alive believe that this is our mission. We want to help you to know Jesus better and to know him more clearly and to love him more dearly. The number is on the screen. Kindly text us kindly write to us or call us and we'll be more than happy to help you. Perhaps you need prayer, you need encouragement, you need counseling. Please also reach out. We are available for you to help you. And if the Lord has inspired you to give and to partner with us in ministry, the number is also on the screen and you can simply give whatever the Lord has put on your heart to work and partner with us. May God bless you and take care. I will see you very soon.